welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to foster a transparent and equitable society by actively engaging and empowering citizens to fight corruption and demand quality services and public goods. I'm your host, Vanessa Emadi. Happy anniversary to Step Up Nigeria. If you didn't listen to our previous podcast, we clocked five this month and we are incredibly excited. In five years, we've empowered 51,000 children to fight corruption and act with integrity. Over 800 teachers have been trained to teach anti-corruption education in the classroom. More than 600 parents have been sensitized on the importance of instilling anti-corruption values at home. 65,000 anti-corruption storybooks have been distributed to children across Nigeria. And that's not all. 690 first-time voters have been sensitized on the negative impact of vote selling and have learned to use their votes to demand good services. Finally, 10 schools have been certified for promoting integrity culture within their schools. On today's episode, the Step Up Nigeria team and I will be looking at how we achieved these successes in the last five years. Since you have been an integral part of our journey from the beginning, we not only invite you to listen to these initiatives, but we also encourage you to choose one or two that you can implement in your community, thereby contributing to the ongoing fight against corruption. For our new listeners, this is a perfect opportunity for you to know all about Step Up Nigeria. As I mentioned earlier, I am joined by the team who will now introduce themselves. Thank you, Vanessa. Your excitement is a bit contagious. Good to be here. My name is Ferami Ioda, and I'm the Deputy Director of Programs for Step Up Nigeria. I'm also the Communications Manager. And for our listeners, you might have heard my voice before as the host of this podcast. Um, but good to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vanessa, for this wonderful introduction. It's good to see how much we've been able to achieve in five years. My name is Ulufadi Halimat. I'm a Senior Program Associate with Step Up Nigeria and also the FCC Anasarawa State League. Thank you so much, Vanessa, and my other colleagues. My name is Rilwan Widojo Abu, my program's associate and the Lagos State Leads. It feels good to be here today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rilwan. Thank you, everyone, for being here. So it's five years. Fermi, you've been here the longest. How does it feel? Ooh, you know, because at Step Up, our work is so fast paced. I feel like I should have done my own personal reflection, you know, over my life and my work over the last five years with Step Up. But, you know, fast paced, fast paced. And I'm not even sure I have. But your question is sort of making me pause and reflect and think of, you know, what the next steps would probably be. But I've been I've been at Step Up since day one, which was July 2nd, 2018. We started off with, as a team of maybe three staff and we launched our Catch Them Young initiative in September 2018 after we started in July. And I don't think any of us who started off initially thought we would achieve as much as we have so far. It's been quite inspiring. You know, it was almost sort of a gamble when we started. Our founder, um, Mrs. Onyeo, had this belief that the current um, methods being used to tackle corruption in Nigeria in terms of sanctions and enforcement and arrests and people not really ever going to prison or serving time were not sufficient to um, curb corruption or even curb corrupt behaviors. And the ideology behind Step Up is that there are certain social norms and values and behaviors that have allowed corruption to thrive and persist over the years. And we're tackling those specific behaviors and those social norms and trying to change them from corruption and greed and fraud to integrity and accountability and fairness and transparency and things. So it's it's been quite exciting. We started off with this idea that Catching them young, raising the next generation of leaders in Nigeria is the next way 
to ta tackle corruption, you know. And we did get a lot of pushback as to why that age demographic, aren't children too young, is our message going to work? And we're proud to say that five years after, with all our evidence and testing and piloting of tools, we have enough evidence to show that anti-corruption targeted at young people is actually effective in changing mindsets and behaviours. But yeah, there's a lot to say, and I hope I can say more, you know, through the course of the podcast, but it is exciting to see that, you know, we were three and now we're almost 20. Um, we were only in one state and now we've been to seven states and really our work has been expanding, but just like you said, has been quite impactful in changing um, the behaviors and lives of people who we've impacted. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fermi. You've said quite wonderful things, but I'd like to know, and I think our listeners would like to know as well, of all the initiatives in the world, why Catch Them Young? That's a good question, Vanessa, because we have gotten this question from a, a lot of people in the past. We believe, and the scientific research to back up like the growth of the human mind and when beliefs and personalities are basically being formed. And the average human has what they call the formative years, which is where we sort of decide what is right and what is wrong and when we learn our core values. And then, you know, we get to our teenage years where we get into identity stage and, and figuring out who we are. And then for the average adult, by the time you get to age 18, scientifically, you know, most of who you are has already been formed. Not saying that people don't change after that age, but that people's mindsets are easier to change from early on stages from like age six to about age 15, 16, before they get into their upper um, teenage years. And so it was based on this research that we decided there is a generation of Nigerians whose mindsets have already, you know, grown accustomed to um, bribery and nepotism and favoritism as the norm, as things that are okay. Unexplained wealth has become, you know, acceptable. And so it's not that Step Up has abandoned the older generation, because I'm, I'm sure as we move on, we will mention some other initiatives that are targeted at even youth. But it is to say that it's also a niche area in that there's no other civil society organization whose sole targets anti-corruption education for children in that age demographic. Even at conferences, international conferences we have attended across African countries, there's nothing else like this because people have usually thought children were too young to understand corruption or too young to even do anything about it. And so they've been neglected. But we are saying if you're going to try and change society, change beliefs, change norms, you can't start when people are 20, 25 in their NYS here in the universities. You have to start from when they're five, six years old in primary school, get to them in secondary schools before they get to universities and so that their entire lifelong process of learning has anti-corruption education woven through it from primary up to the tertiary stage. And so this is why we believed it was important to catch them young starting from early years, primary school. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fermi. We've come a long way indeed with the Catch Them Young initiative. And now we engage in first-time voters, community leaders, even government stakeholders, parents, teachers. Halimat, can you tell us a bit more about some of these initiatives that Step Up Nigeria has started? Thank you very much, Vanessa. And you know, um, joining Step Up Nigeria three years ago and meeting the Catch Them Young initiative was very quite interesting for me. And so other initiatives that had um, propped up after the academic initiative was the First Time Voters Integrity Initiative, which was very, um, I think it's, I would say it's one of my most um, enjoyable projects I have worked on so far. It's quite interesting to see how um, we could change the mindset of people in marginalized communities to 
engage in the process of anti-corruption. And you see these people who have never known about anti-corruption, who doesn't even understand how they could engage their public stakeholders. Seeing them taking active actions was quite impressive for me. And um, I think it's it would be, if I'm to choose, would be one of my most favorite projects. And also the Step Up Integrity Initiative has also been a wonderful project for me. Seeing how schools are beginning to change their orientation from being more money-oriented towards building characters of young people and also seeing how they're more imbibing towards academic integrity, admission integrity, and seeing those processes where schools are, some of the schools are even losing students because they want to be of integrity standard and all those things are happening. And talking about the Prevent Anti-Corruption Champions Initiative as well, where you're beginning to see parents not just thinking, um, I'm just going to be on my own and just concentrate on my own children alone and just give them the anti-corruption values because the children are still going to go outside to mix with other people's children, right? And so you see parents taking active actions in their communities, speaking to children, organizing, you know, reading um reading clubs for children where they could come together to read together and discuss about integrity accountability transparency and even seeing those children going outside to educate other children it shows that um, even when step up doesn't exist again tomorrow the work of the anti-corruption fight still continues thank you so much halima everyone can we hear from you please yeah halima has um, really shed more light on them and i would say for me the of all the programs we have because it's even kind of difficult choosing saying that um this is the one i you know i prefer the most and you know like that but i think i have a thing for the um step of nigeria school integrity certification program also like halima mentioned because it's one of the um programs we have that um, what we teach children basically we, we teach them to be of good behaviors you know to um be better people in the society. But I feel through the integrity education program and then schools getting to promote that culture of integrity, it, it helps the work that we do. Because um, these things are already issues for any school to be um, integrity certified, it shows they have these things we are looking forward to imbibing in children. And then for the schools to have these standards on ground before we come in to validate them and giving them that certification, then it shows that even when we are not there, this will continue. Yeah. So the SPSP is, is quite, um, it's something I found really, you know, interesting. And um, I do hope that we get to achieve more and get more schools certified in the country going forward. Thank you, Rowan. Can you speak to us more about the MACE project? What is that about? What's the full meaning? Tell us more about that, please. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Vanessa. The MACE project, um, it's what we call the mainstreaming anti-corruption education in, uh, in schools. And uh, we saw that, um, you know, when you set out to plan any project, one of the things you consider is the sustainability plan. How do you ensure that this thing lives beyond you as an organization or even an individual? So we've looked at this and not just um, us working on this alone with consultation with our stakeholders, our beneficiaries and even experts. And then we realized that it's important for us to, you know, um, make sure that this continues beyond what we do in Step Up and as such, we worked with um, the um, Association for Formidable Educational Development in Nigeria, which is AFED, to start up the program. Um, that's the mainstream anti-corruption education. So we are currently piloting it in Lagos State. 
for low-cost um, primary schools. And one of the interesting things around that project for us so far is getting our fed, you know, to get um, our storybooks, uh, Lima's Vote and the Makers Money integrated into their curriculum so they can teach um, civic education to our primary school um, pupils in Lagos State so far. And we've, you know, gone ahead to produce books at very low cost for them, you know, against the market price out there so that um, these children can, you know, access these books and get the most of um, the anti-corruption teachings. And um, so far, um, AFED, they've also, you know, ensured that their chapter all in Lagos, you know, take this um, book seriously and make sure that the students get um, access to them. We don't just, um, you know, give them the books and um, say, okay, these are the storybooks, you just buy them and go use them. No, we also train their teachers. Teachers from such schools, you know, that have, you know, um, gotten the books and are ready to use them in their schools. We train them virtually on how to use these tools to get the best out of them. So this is something that um, we are still piloting in Lagos. And once we see that um, we are, um, you know, getting that much success, we are also looking at expanding to, you know, the public schools and you know, other sectors around. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rowan. So Halimat has started us on a personal favorite initiative. Pervin, can I hear from you? Which initiative is your personal favorite? Uh, we launched um, Step Up Media as a result to the COVID-19 pandemic when, you know, we couldn't move around and we didn't have access to children and schools. And so we launched a YouTube channel called Step Up TV. And we also had this podcast as well. And I think I've enjoyed the step up media area of our work because we've been able to use like videos, um, short films, um, short shows, street shows, and a bit more content that is relatable to the Nigerian audience beyond our direct beneficiaries. And so we've reached a wider audience of people. Um, I think we currently have over 2,000 subscribers on our YouTube now, which is huge. Um, so we're reaching you know, the larger Nigerian and African demographic through Step Up Media that are more tailored initiatives have not been able to. I also want to say, you know, going forward, because of a lot of feedback that we've been getting around, you know, parents in the home, our Parents Anti-Corruption Champions Initiative is huge. And it's something I would hope in the next five years we would expand, you know, our focus on that area um, because parents really have a great role in shaping these future leaders. We can do our bits, you know, in working with schools and teachers, but if parents don't do their bits in the home, and so that mass sensitization and education, I think, is very, very important, both on the Step Up Media side and with parents in the home. So, yes, those are my favorites. Thank you. We've talked about parents, we've talked about teachers, schools. What about government stakeholders? What is happening in that direction? Please go ahead. Yeah, Vanessa, thank you. Um, like, like I said, Step Up always does so much, and I do hope we can cover all of that in the podcast. So we have a government anti-corruption champions initiative. And what GACI is meant to do is to raise public servants, you know, civil servants, government officials who are persons of integrity and who can model that integrity behavior for other people who work with them, you know, in their in their MDAs, parasitals and the likes. And we launched a virtual reality film called Sherifat School. Um, in 2021, which targets education sector stakeholders, trying to create empathy in the journey of the Nigerian child to get access to education and showing them that, you know, they are able to stop kickbacks, um, stop favoritism, to give contracts to the right people. And so that initiative um, has been able to reach hundreds of public servants in the states that we implement. And we've been able to expose people to, you know, what they can do to ensure that there is better access to quality education. 
And we also work with stakeholders in terms of institutionalizing this issue of anti-corruption. So like Rilwan said, we're mainstreaming this. We want to ensure that in all the states that we work and in their schools, this subject and this teaching is institutionalized. And so we also work with government stakeholders, you know, in terms of scheme of work, curriculum, book approvals, to ensure that anti-corruption teaching is at the forefront of the kind of literature and also the kind of context in the scheme of work for the schools. And so we are working with governments, you know, in terms of in their own agencies to stop kickbacks, but we're also trying to work with those specifically in the education sector to mainstream anti-corruption education in, in states across Nigeria. Thank you, Fermi. Like you said, we're doing a big thing with the government. So our books have been approved in Abuja, Kaduna, Imo State, Lagos. In fact, all four books have been approved for use in schools in Lagos State. And I think three have been approved for use in Imo State as well. For Kaduna, Tosin Story was approved and in Abuja, we're using Halima's books. So great things are happening and I'm glad that school children and not just school children alone, teachers can start using our books to teach children about anti-corruption education. Can I know, are there any stories of change that has come about as a result of these initiatives that we started? I think I have actually lost count of the amount of stories of change that has come out from the various initiative. Because, you know, every every December we give award children that have done something, individuals that have done something to stop corruption. And you hear these amazing stories from people and you're like, okay, I never thought like we could go this far with people. And it's just quite amazing. And one of the stories that usually inspire me every day is the story of Abdugeni. He won the Anti-Corruption Star Award. And Abdugeni was just a GSS3 student who read Halima's vote. And he went to his community, read the book, and he spoke to his friend about it. Eventually, all his friends got to read the book and they spread the message across everybody in their community. Abdugeni's community become vote buying free. It's just like, that's just one single person taking so much action. And it, it was just impressive for me because if one person could make a change, how much two, three, five people, how much could they do? And that's that's really quite impressive for me. And also when we started the first time with that integrity initiative, the story from Akele Kusidi is one of my favorite best time stories of change, where we see community members that have just heard about vote setting, taking actions against a incumbent politician who had come to campaign in their community. They stood up to say they don't want his money or gift. All they wanted was services. And that shows how good this initiative is and how impactful they are. For me, those are my like favorite stories so far. Thank you, Halimat. Ribbon, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Vanessa. And uh, I would add to what Halima said, like, you know, the stories are so many. And um, you wouldn't even know which to say, ah, this is my favorite and all of that. Of everything, um, some would definitely stand out. And for me, as I'm still around the story of um, one of our young um, anti-corruption um, winners from the 2022 edition, um, Shei Songoluki from uh, the Agoegu-speaking community of um, Elijah Barika in Lagos State. At the time, she was um, 13. And when the Step of Nigeria team got to her community, we realized that it, it was not easy, you know, getting the message across to them because the kids there, they are, are mostly out of school. They are not um, literate. But she, you know, took it upon herself. And then with um, the help of others around, she was able to translate the Alimas vote um, animated film to a good language. And, um, you know, it, it didn't just end there. 
how people were able to, how communities were able to be sensitized using the animals both in their own language. And after that, you know, working in the Lagos um, um, office and going to other communities around like that where they speak the Igun language, we've been able to put Shea's um, translated version of the Halimaz boat to use. And when we shared the story with um, other kids there, that this is one of you from one of your Igun speaking um, community, they were really inspired and motivated. Others told me um, they would like to do something like this as well. And I feel it's a huge success story for us that, you know, this was something that was done over a year ago, but it's now even getting, you know, uh, more use and uh, more children are getting impacted um, through that way. So I think that's one of the stories that really stood out for me so far. Thank you, Rowan. Fermi, do you have any stories you'd like to share? The first two books and films that Step Up launched were Emeka's Money and Halima's Vote. And Emeka's Money sort of targets like general corrupt behaviors around nepotism and bribery. Halima's Vote specifically around vote buying and vote selling. And I think because of how long we've existed, we've seen two elections, two cycles. And so I'm going to give two stories, one on the election side and then one on just like general behavioral change. One is how exciting that the song from the book has become a household name, both in schools and in communities. So we know want your rights, we know want your money, waiting we want to, now waterway clean, waiting we want to, now clinic and school. And we've seen both in, you know, elections that happened earlier this year, as well as the previous elections, that in the communities that we've sensitized, as well as in schools, out of school centers for our Marjorie children, um, primary school children in public schools and private schools, we have seen that people have been able to embrace that as a mantra, you know, to tell politicians, we're not going to take money, we're not going to take gifts, we're going to use our votes to demand for better service delivery. And if you don't deliver that, then you will not get our votes. And so the idea to create sort of a theme song around resisting vote buying and vote selling, I think has been quite exciting. And then general behavioral change, it's, it's shocking, but both impressive to see how you know, as early as primary school, we have children who are rejecting bribes, who are stopping their parents from giving bribes to officials and government officials, children who are bold enough to write letters to the president, children who are sending creative works to our hotline, you know, children who are writing their own poems and their own short story books, writing letters, you know, to their elected officials, people who are thinking outside the box. Just the idea that stories and films have been powerful enough to motivate people to take action as early as primary school, even to the youth and even to the teachers that we've trained, as well as their parents. I think those those will be the quite exciting stories, how we have a theme song basically fighting, you know, vote buying and vote selling. And then just the way creativity has sort of grown, drama, the use of drama, song, rap to communicate corruption issues um, out of our work, I think, has also been a big story. Thank you, Fermi. You mentioned the we don't watch your eyes. <laughs> I was just smiling because truly communities, children have been singing the song, even using it to chase politicians away that our vote is what matters. We don't want anything from you. Give us good services, then we can go ahead to vote for you. And even a maker's money song too, we must do better. Ah, I've used that song far. I've used that song in every single thing. Like we must do better because it literally tells the tale of what's happening in Nigeria and how every citizen must take a stand and do the right thing. We must do better. I'd like to ask, is there any initiative that you like Step Up to pursue? Yeah, I feel um, currently have a lot going on and um, we can always expand. Yes, yeah, so for me, the impact that um, our works, you know, 
I have on um, people in the states that we currently work with is something I would want to see, you know, happen in other states in Nigeria. So basically for me, it would be more of expanding to other states. Yes, because these things we are doing currently in the states we work with and the FCT are worth, um, you know, replicating in other states in Nigeria. Because when we look at corruption and fighting it, it, it needs to be a collective stuff. So it needs to go around. So expansion for me would be on top on the list of things I would want the up to do. As Rilon has said, I would like to see us expanding to more states in the country. And one other initiative I would like us to focus on is the fellowship scheme that we just started. Just what we did has been has been very profound. So I would see that growing and us having more younger people in the fellowship scheme to build their capacity. So that's one area I would like us to expand more on. Okay, thank you, Halima. Can you please expand on the fellowship scheme for those of us that don't know? The fellowship scheme is an idea of Step Up Nigeria to bring young people from both marginalized communities and urban communities to equip them with leadership skills, mentoring skills on anti-corruption, transparency and accountability. And we started out with our first time voters integrity initiative where we had picked young people, young anti-corruption champions from different communities and brought them together and trained them on anti-corruption, accountability, leadership skills. They ran the fellowship program for two months. We had an internship program where they had followed step-up staff to the field to have hands-on knowledge on how to actually impact their community. And after the fellowship program, we've seen these fellows take actions. We've seen them going to schools, marketplaces, educating people in the community about what they have learned and why it's very important for them to uphold integrity. So we see in those communities where vote buying was existing and because of the impactful effort of these fellows, Vote buying stopped. These fellows are organizing outreaches in their community to speak to people. So I believe if we expand more on it, then we have more fellows in different communities across Nigeria taking these actions, educating people on why it's very important for them to uphold integrity. Thank you, Halima, for that wonderful summary. Follow me, please. Yeah, I think our work isn't done yet. And I might be preempting, you know, some things that we're going to do in future. But this might be the time to share because we're announcing them on our anniversary event um, on July 27th. So if you listen to this before then, our anniversary celebration is July 27th. And if you want to attend, please send a message to Vanessa. I guess you'll do that at the end of the podcast. But one of the things that we're excited to be launching is a board game. So we're launching a new integrity board game. It's called Do It Right. Quite exciting. Um, and I'm hoping to see the effects of that board game in homes and in the society. Um, it's something we hope to mass produce and spread across homes in Nigeria. But I hope Step Up can do a bit more work in that area. We will keep creating more creative tools. So if people ha- can expect anything in the next five years is that our list of tools would almost have doubled because we are a creative team, as we pride ourselves to say. Second will be knowledge sharing. Educating children against corruption is still like a new and novel area in anti-corruption. And I think Step Up can share a bit more of that knowledge with the world. And so I hope we'll be able to produce, you know, more policy briefs, more documents uh, and recommendations for ministries and governments in, in that area. And then finally, if Step Up is going to do something new that we haven't done before, you know, I want our Step Up TV channel to grow into like a proper, you know, TV station. I do hope that we have the funding to do that in future. Something that can run on its own, just pushing out anti-corruption content, educating the populace and the public, you know, just getting the news out there on the work that we're doing. And I, and I do hope that, you know, we do get more funding for these activities, but that's definitely something I want to see grow um, in the next five years. 
which of our initiatives was the most challenging for you and why? Let me start with your one. It, it would be the first time voters, uh, yeah, first time voters integrity initiative. Yes, because, you know, we've um, talked about how impactful the project has been, you know, getting um, our first set of fellows um, through the program and changing the mindset of the young people in these communities and they in turn changing that of um, the elderly people in their community to put aside what has become a norm, that's vote buying, selling their votes and all of that. And now they know why it's important to demand services as against, you know, selling their votes. But then it's still um, the most challenging to me because I it was something that, um, uh, let's say, the phase we had just um, completed, you know, this is program that has, um, that gets you going into communities. And dealing with um, people like this, um, it's not always easy because you don't get to get them during the weekdays. The times they are always available uh, either weekends or Sundays. And, you know, having to do your own work from Monday to Friday and then you set out again, you're out on Saturdays because you need to get these people to, you know, get this message across to them. And it has to happen on a weekend. And then secondly, um, access to these communities. The initiative is targeted at marginalized communities. Yeah. And then uh, as such, we had to look out for these communities that really need, um, you know, this project. And you would realize that uh, some of the communities we, you know, um, did this work in Lagos, they don't have um, good access roads. Sometimes you'd have to fly on uh, on, on um, canoes and boats uh, where um, even the, the canoe owners and the boat owners do not even have life jackets for you. So you have to set out and, you know, get to these communities as well. So, yeah, I would say that um, it's a bit challenging, you know, yeah, for me. It's good that you mentioned the first time voters initiative because I remember the story of one of the first time voters. He said the day he went out to vote, <laughs> all his friends were looking at him like, This is weird. What are you doing? We don't vote. Why are you going out to vote? So it was really good that he did that because that encouraged them that, okay, the next election that's coming, I'm going to go out to vote. So, yeah, I see what you mean that it was hard getting these first time voters doing that initiative and getting them to change their ways. Halima, please go ahead. I would also say the first time voters integrity initiative because I think it was um, we had to run a project in the space of six months to get what we needed to achieve. And because election was around the corner and we had a lot to do within those space, it was quite challenging again because as we mentioned, those are marginalized communities that we have to go to. They don't have good access to road. I remember us stopping off at a point to walk through a bridge because we were scared of hoping the car would not collapse on, on the bridge. And also um, having the language barrier, because some of them don't even speak um, the three common languages in Nigeria. You have to find someone that could interpret some of the things you have learned to them. It's different from going to into schools to educate in-school children or going to um, out-of-school centers to engage when you know you can easily speak house. Some of these things you have to speak in their Gwari language. And also the language barrier also was quite a challenge, but with all the challenges, we're able to achieve good results, um, wonderful results from these communities. 
I would also say maybe one of the initiatives that's quite a bit challenging is the Parent Anti-Corruption Champions Initiative because, um, you know, it's quite difficult to change parents' mindset. They tell you, oh, we already know these things and we're doing it. But to get them to actually start taking actions in their homes, in their schools. I remember going for PTA meetings and you're like, oh, we're ready to sign up or take actions. And you have to actually really explain to them why it's important for them to sign up, take actions and all that. So I think those um, two would be probably most challenging initiatives I have taken up. Working with parents has not been easy because, you know, no parent likes to be told this is how you should parent your child. But I, I'm not going to overflog it. The FTVII, that's the first time Voters Initiative was challenging. The Parents and Corruption Champions Initiative is still challenging. Um, I think the one that I will say that has been a bit challenging also would be working with um, government officials, public sector officials, in terms of reforming, you know, corrupt behaviors in the education sector. Because a lot of the feedback that we get from, you know, policy makers who have to answer to like other senior officials is that it's basically out of their hands, you know. If you do the right thing and stop a contract from being awarded to somebody who a big man wants it to go, you lose your job or you lose your position or you lose your department. And so we've seen many a times that even though the individuals who we have sensitized want to do the right thing, the stem itself is so corrupt that the, the punitive measure for doing the right thing is so painful that people are encouraged or almost forced to do the wrong thing, you know, just to keep bread on their table. For us, it's been how to move beyond, you know, sensitizing just one person and it might be something we can look into in the future as you know organizational sensitization so you know we pick UBEC and we're going to do a mass UBEC sensitization pick you know Ministry of Education as opposed to one or two individuals in the organization the hope of course is that those one or two that we reach are the catalyst for change but we are seeing that it's a bit challenging for one man in those institutions you know to cause that much change just because there's so much pushback from other factors so i would say it's been a bit challenging you know getting reduction of kickbacks and people to actually you know do the right thing in the public sector based on the individuals who we have sensitized so that's something i hope we can look into but of course we are raising champions already and we hope that we will raise some more um going forward and just to add overall you know when you were working with behavioral change approaches i think a major challenge for us is that we know that we won't see some of the fruits of our work for another, you know, 10, 15 years. But the hope, of course, is that, like I said at the start, the seeds that we're planting, you know, today in teachers, in parents, in families, in children, in homes, you know, will reap a better Nigeria with people who act with integrity. But also not knowing, like I said, the real change work is, is a gamble sometimes, not knowing how it will end. But trusting, of course, that, you know, the seeds planted will be watered and will grow. Thank you, Fermi. Thank you, everyone, for your great contributions. And I'm sure there is more of it that came from. But can you tell me, has there been any extraordinary experiences that you've had while implementing these initiatives? Any funny incidents you'd like us to know about? First for me is, you know, when I joined the team newly and um, we had to go out for you know, the validation exercise for the State of Nigeria School Integrity Certification Program. Some of the schools would feel like, okay, these are government people, but we tell them we are non-governmental. And even at that, some would still want to go ahead to, you know, put some stuff in the envelope and would want to hand it over to you. 
that I always find that shock, you know, their faces when we tell them, no, 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 we we, we don't do this, we don't accept this. I said, no, it's just for you to get this and all of that. Now, it's against our policy in step of Nigeria, we don't take this, we don't do that. This we are doing, it's fully paid for, and yeah, you don't get to give us anything for, for it. Secondly, uh, I would say um, this one quite, um, it was an experience on the field one day where our, our vehicle got stuck in a in in a mud. We're turning from um, <laughs> we're turning from one of our um, engagements, and then our vehicle got stuck, you know, and it started raining heavily. So it was in the middle of um, I, I would say almost nowhere. We couldn't access a mechanic workshop and all of that, so we had to roll up our sleeves, you know, remove our shoes, get in the mud and try to get Zico, you know, up and running again. So it was funny, you know, standing under the rain and, <laughs> you know, like in the rain, trying to get your way out. But in the end, you know, you look at um, the bigger picture, where you're coming from, the impact you've had on them, and then for the fact that you also find joy in what you do. I think um, it's funny and um, interesting at the same time. Thank you, real one. The second one you said, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> It must have been really hard. But the first thing you mentioned, what exactly are they putting in the envelopes, please? Well, I didn't open to see, but I assume it's uh, money. Yeah, I assume it's money. Thank you. Halima, please. Um, thank you, Vanessa. I would say that um, I think one of the enjoyable moments, one of the humorous moments was going to school and seeing students being, you know, when you go and you finish engagement and you go back, seeing them remembering your name, telling you all things they've learned, showing you storybooks they've written, right? And I remember where parents would call Vanessa and they would think it's Halima on the phone, right? And whereas it's Vanessa. And it's quite, those, th- those women are quite exciting to see and it's those things that keep us going. And you when, when you're going, they're saying, oh, bye-bye, auntie, we hope to see you next time. And oh, you're able to see, you know, how, how happy they are that you're there to educate them. And um, also, it's quite um, it's quite interesting. And I think one of the most difficult parts was I remember we had gone for engagement in a school, and the school became flooded while we we're there. And we all had to pull up our shoes, roll up our trousers or our skirts to go through the water from the school to the gate, and it was quite a mile. And we had to walk in the flood all the way. So sometimes the walk could be challenging, but you tend to remember the impact you're making, and you push through. Thank you, Halima. Hey, walk through flood. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Fermi, please. Yeah, thank you, Vanessa. There's so much because of the kind of work that we're doing, but I think one of the most shocking and probably humbling experiences for me was when we started the First Time Voters Initiative and we had to go to a community called Agboi. Is in Ketu. Now, I grew up in Lagos, born and raised in Lagos, you know, and I schooled in Ogun State, but I don't think I had seen certain sides of Lagos and again, maybe just upbringing and where I schooled and just not being exposed to the real slum communities. But I was shocked that a community that is even older than Lagos states, they are still living, you know, they had an overflooding issue over the land and they live basically in the water. And we had to use a keno, you know, for about five to 10 minutes to get to the destination from Ketu. And on the left side, we could see people inside mini sheds, you know, defecating into the same water that our keno was moving in. And on the right side, we saw children swimming in the very same water. You know, other people were bathing. 
People were washing their faces, you know. I could not believe that the standard of living and how they were just used to, you know, the uncleanliness and the germs. It was quite shocking for me that, you know, a city like Lagos and subsequently we visited Makoko and a couple of other areas like Boi who have those waterlogged, you know, issues. But um, it was quite eye-opening just to see how abandoned communities lack like basic services and have been abandoned by the government but just the way that they were living and hopefully now seeing that they are clamoring for improved service delivery as a result of our projects but that was a bit bizarre and interesting. Something that was a bit funny for us was a story from a child called Blessing from Pilot Science Primary School in Wusi and this happened probably in 2019 just around the election period and it's funny how she was a nursery school student. She wasn't even part of our engagement, but her sister was. And her sister had received Emeka's money and Halima's votes and had gone home and shared all that with her. And one day, Laurie came in front of their school gate, you know, to share like spaghetti and macaroni and things. And you can picture a tiny child who ran to her principal's office to say, mommy, 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 there's a Laurie outside that is sharing, you know, Indomie and gifts. Don't sell your votes or don't collect anything that they are sharing. And it was so funny for the head teacher that she had to call us to tell us the story. And even we were shocked. I mean, it's encouraged more. That was also quite, quite humorous. And then I think at Step Up as a whole, people aren't used to like NGO standards just because NGOs sometimes break the rules themselves. But I've had to interact with people who I say, this is our policy, this is our standard, this is how we work. And they're like, ah, wow. So in Nigeria, there are people who still believe in like following standard procedures. Among many other experiences, those are some of the ones that stand out to me. Thank you, Fermi. I'd love for us to continue this conversation, but our time is limited. Starting with real one, do you have any message for our audience listening on why they need to fight corruption and uphold integrity? Oh, thank you so much, Vanessa. You know, it's our fifth anniversary, and um, I, before I forget, I would love to say that it's um, been an honor, you know, being a part of the Step of Nigeria team. And uh, even though I've not stayed for so long, I feel um, the organization has achieved um, a lot. It feels like we've been there for, you know, for so many years, yes, looking at the impact and, you know, the reach so far. I feel it's important for us, you know, to continue this struggle in trying to fight corruption in Nigeria because for every, you know, one positive step we make towards getting a better society, having a society that is corruption free, if we do not, you know, continue in that path, we will always be drawn back by two steps or even more. That is for every one positive um, step. If we don't continue advocating that these things need to stop, then we'll keep moving backward. And as such, it affects the economy, it affects almost every aspect of our life. Because one, look at the sustainable development goals. They're all tied to, you know, goal 16, kind of. Yes, look at corruption. When you don't have strong institutions, the health sector, the education sector, the agriculture sector, corruptions abound in these places. And if you don't ensure that you fight it, all of these other goals will not be actualized. So you see why it is important for us to continue advocating that, yes, we get rid of corruption at least to some point, And then we hope that we are able to, you know, bring about that change. Thank you, Rewan. Thank you so much for even bringing the Sustainable Development Goals. Let me hear from you, Halimad. 
I believe that upholding integrity is not just about following rules. It's also about making conscious choice to do the right thing, even when things are very difficult. And I believe that if everybody could come together to uphold integrity, we're going to be able to create a society where transparency, accountability and fairness prevail. And thereby we're making a better future for ourselves and our generations to come. So it's something that everybody has to key into to be able to ensure that we achieve our goal in having a free and fair society. Thank you. Thank you, Halima. Let me hear from you, Fermi. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks, Halima. That was quite profound. I'm only going to, you know, add, you know, Nigerians, it's our country. And I do believe still that if we change, and I don't just mean our leaders, I mean, like every Nigerian from the bottom up and from up bottom, we have to make those individual changes in our lives, in our homes, in how we work, in what we think is right, in what we instill. If we don't if we don't change that and begin to build social sanctions, because we've seen that the justice system has all but failed in, you know, holding people accountable for doing the right thing. So we ourselves have to be, you know, the law in our home, in our families, in our communities to say if someone, you know, a known family member is, you know, getting money from proceeds of fraud, you know, they are an outcast, they are not praised, their money is not collected, they are not celebrated. You know, we need to start celebrating, you know, better values, people who do the right thing as opposed to those who have illicit gotten wealth. And so it's really up to us to change these behaviors. We have to start rejecting that which is wrong and praising that which is right so that mindsets start to change in terms of what right and wrong. I think Nigerians, we've mixed up, you know, what is okay and what isn't. And we need to Instead of blur those lines, make those lines clearer and start working to do the right thing. And that's my encouragement to everyone. We can do it if we all decide that this is the step we want to take. We can change the way we think and then change the way we act as a result. So thank you. What a way to end this delightful podcast. Thank you, Halima. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you, Fermi, for your valuable contributions. You've made this podcast extra special. And like Romy mentioned earlier, we'll be having an anti-corruption exhibition showcasing our tools to the public on the 27th of July. So this flyer will go out on Monday on our social media handles. I'll be calling out the social media handles soon. We would love to see you on that day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying till this far. Remember to take some of these actions in your school, your community, or your workplace in order to promote integrity and reduce the rate of corruption in our society. Don't forget, fighting corruption is a collective effort. This podcast can be found on all podcasting platforms, so don't be afraid to refer us. Make sure to share it so that others can learn from it. To stay updated on our activities at Step Up Nigeria, please follow us on Facebook at Step Up Nigeria, on LinkedIn at Step Up for Social Development and Empowerment in Nigeria, on Twitter and Instagram at Step underscore Up underscore Nigeria. We also recently joined Threads, so you find us at Step underscore Up underscore Nigeria. And check out our videos on YouTube at Step Up TV and on TikTok at Step Up Nigeria TV. Till next time, I'm your host, Vanessa Emadi. Goodbye.